So I'm going to share today, I'm going to share about poo, innovation, and Jesus. I realize that some people might think that emoji might mean a swear word, the S word. Um, I just want to tell you, don't think those dirty thoughts then. But there's another, there's another group that might be even more offended, and that's that I use the words innovation and Jesus in the same sentence. I can hear you in your thoughts, you're thinking, heresy. This message is for you. Okay, let's start with the poo. I, I spend a lot of my time thinking and thinking about and on poo forms. It looks like this. Or I rather, talk about, I rather like to refer to them as chocolate factories. And I'm typically responsible for the electrical and electronic infrastructure that looks like this. As you can see, it's a lot of orange panels. So if you, see, if you ever go to a poo farm or ch- chocolate factory and you see electrical panels with cables into it, it's probably my work. That's what I do. And what's amazing about these wastewater treatment works, which is actually the right term, is that you take water in looking like, no, I don't have a photo of that, but you can imagine what it looks like. I'm sure you've been to the toilet recently. We take that water, we take it in, goes through a process, and at the end, it turns out so clean that we test it by drinking it. That's my colleague, Reino, um, and he's with two contractors, and they test the water and they, they drink it. The water tastes a bit muddy, and you'll have a, maybe a week you'll have a weird twitch in your eye, but <laughs> it's, it means it's working. It means I've done my job well. And by the way, if you don't know, if you're from UCT, UCT is the world leaders, one of the world leaders in in wastewater treatment technology. One of the f- most famous processes that you use to clean water is called the UCT process. So, just want to tell you, you can be proud of your university if you studied here. Okay, so, back to innovation. So, a, f- a few years back, our company decided we want to really be innovative. We want to know what's innovation, and we want to be like that, and we want to see how, how that can apply to our work as engineers, and also how our team, the water team, how we can apply it to our wastewater treatment works, also water works. And, and we thought about it. The problem is innovation is people's got different, they've got different ideas of what innovation is. So if I were to ask you, think about something that's innovative. You'll probably think about these things. Did you think of any of those things? The guys I know will maybe think of a drone, will think of virtual reality, or maybe artificial intelligence, um, or a robot. We'll think like tech companies like Uber, Google, or Apple, Samsung, or Tesla. But that's part of it. Technology is definitely part of innovation. But what we've realized, and also what a lot of other people have realized, that is innovation is much more fundamental than just a cool new tech product. It's much more than that. And at the essence of it, it's love. Love. 
It's all about love. And it, it's this idea that you can't really say anything is innovative if it doesn't address a deep human need. And the, the only way you can know that someone's, what someone's real needs are is if you have empathy for that person. If you are able to go to whoever you're designing your product or service for, if you're able to stand in that person's shoes and you experience what that person experienced, you experience his problems, and then you design, you use your tech, your business, your accounting to serve that need. And empathy is just another word for love. So that brings us to Jesus. Jesus was a great innovator. Because in the, in the Bible, Jesus always fo- follows this formula. I don't know if you've, you've noticed it. He, he goes to a place, he sees someone, he sees a crowd like you, and he feels compassion for that crowd. He feels love. He feels empathy. And then he goes and he, he acts on that compassion and he does. He addresses their deepest needs. Jesus is a great innovator. He was a market disruptor. Just think about it. Before Jesus came, Pharisees basically had a monopoly on the religion. And Jesus came, oh no, but out of business. It's almost like uh, VHS tapes versus CDs versus empathy players. Jesus is great. Also, another thought that you can think of, God says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Which, whose market did they disrupt there? The devil's market. Love is the core of innovation. And wouldn't be an innovation talk if I didn't quote Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs understood this. He said, you've got to start the customer experience and work back towards the technology, not the other way around. So he understood it. He understand you must stand in the shoes of the customer, in the shoes of the client, in the shoes of whoever you're designing, the end user. Designing. You must experience what is experiencing, what is his experience is, and then he design according to that experience. So Steve Jobs was a great innovator. So going back to my chocolate factory, how does it apply to my job? This is a bit more difficult. It's not just like an Apple iPhone. Um, obviously what we do, we do it for the public. So the bene- beneficiaries are you. We're cleaning your water for you. But it's very difficult to design a way for works for you. But what we've, what we've realized is that the people that actually can make the biggest difference that we can serve you guys the best is the people that's operating these plants. It's these guys. That's the workers at Drift Sands, Wastewater Treatment Work, in PE. And they work, one of their jobs is to clean the inlet works. I don't know if you've been to a Wastewater Treatment Works, but anyone will tell you the inlet works is the grossest place to be. Because we have to take out all the things that you throw in the toilet that's not supposed to be there, take it out, screen it with these giant screens, and then go take it to the rubbish dump. They have to do that. It looks like this. <laughs> so I have a photo of it. <laughs> and they, they have, luckily, it's mostly an automated process. But if the power fails, they have to do it manually. So that's not nice. And they, at, at, at this plant, they had a big problem with that. Is that the power all failed and they must do it manually. There was, there was power failures often. So 
just after I took that photo, and I, I, and I was discussing with them what's the biggest, what's the problems, what's the need, um, the power failed. And they said, okay, let's, let, let us show you. And as we walked, we were like five or six people walked to the inlet works because we're going to see what's happening now and, and maybe we must clean some stuff. And as, as we walked, I was chatting to the one guy and the next moment all the other guys disappeared. And, and he told me um, that, see, this is what happens. They think I'm less educated, so now I must go and clean. For me, there was a moment where I really felt that this guy is, is hurting. Because it, it touches his humanity. He's, he's a lesser of a human being, and now that's why I must clean. And I also realized just from engineer's perspective, I can make a difference. I can design something that it makes him feel more valuable. Because it's actually easy. Technology, technologically, it's easy to, to implement a system where if there's a power failure, you just put a generator that automatically so on, and then they don't have to clean. And only maybe once in a blue moon, if they don't care for the generator, then, then maybe they have to clean it. So it's easy. But for me, it was just a revelation that I can actually make someone's life easier and have an impact on a deep need actually be innovative so what we've what we've started doing in our, in our team is that we we want to involve these guys more and more and more in our so we talk about we want to co-create with them the plant whatever we design so what we'll typically do this is an example what we typically do we'll go to go to a plant and then we'll go and chat to the operators get get the different functions people doing different functions will ask them okay tell me tell us about the typical day and they'll say okay when in the morning when i wake up i feel happy but then when i arrive at work there's lots of problems and it's not so good so we map it out we call it the journey map we map it out how they're feeling because you want to understand what they're feeling is that's you want to understand what is the the biggest need in in what they do day to day and then what we do is during our designs we try and address the the low points and we bring it and bring it up. Some, some of the stuff obviously we can't do, we can't fix, like if, if they don't pay them well, we can't really fix that, um, which is often a need. You want to get paid more, but to try and fix what we can't fix. And we'll have workshops with them and bring also bring the, the bosses, the engineering managers, bring them together in the same room and, and we discuss how we can solve the problem. Because there's always, always, often a different perspective from from the engineering manager, he thinks they want this certain way and they think that that is what engineering engineering manager intends. So here's just an example of um, Sandy. Was a, he's an a operator at Claimant Waste Retreatment Works and he's just discussing what we did. He's just saying how we experienced one of the workshops. Uh-uh. Is the sound on on the? Okay, so Sandy, uh, tell me, tell me, um, how did you find the workshop? Very, very interesting. You know why? You don't, you don't always get time to talk with some of the bosses, maybe in the municipality, now sit around one table and we look each other eye to eye and 
Uh, listen what we are saying is operators or land operators or oh, a lot of names for us. But now you can see, now we can talk together. Now I, I, I learn a lot of things and I, I enjoyed the session today. And see you next time. Thank you. Thanks. See, see you can really, uh, he, he, he's, he really feels appreciated, he feels loved. So that's what, I, what made me so proud about this video. And it turns out this guy is actually quite a famous Afrikaans rapper. So in the next video. That's SA's Got Talent. I can just stop there. And, and while I was preparing for this message, wait, can't you stop? while I was preparing for this message, the trombone player is actually Karen, <laughs> who's in our church. So it was just meant to be, so it's just meant to be in this sermon. Okay, so here's my challenge to the innovators, to the people that's got Jesus' love inside of them. Your love that Jesus placed in, inside of you is the biggest innovation tool that you've got. But it's not only for church and for small group and for mission, because we know how to be innovative on missions or in small group or in church. But it's for your work as well. So I want you to go and disrupt your markets, your actuarial science, whatever, insurance products by real innovation, innovation that's based on love for people. Because like people, like I've heard people say, if you serve someone's needs, if you serve it well, they'll give you certificates of appreciation with Nelson Mandela's face on it. I hope you weren't offended by the poo emoji in my title. Thanks. Thanks, Kenny. I think the, the only thing um, worse than speaking before Kenny is actually speaking after Kenny. So it's, the bar is quite high. I'm going to see if I can, you know, keep up. I, um, if I look at all the faces that are here this morning, the chances are you are part of some sort of community, whether, you've, whether you're part of a family community, whether you're part of a community like the ones we have this morning, whether you're, you're, you go to work. If you interact with people you are most likely part of some sort of community. Community for me is, if you break it down, see my, my presentation is running ahead of me. <laughs> okay, well, that's a technical failure. We'll, uh, from, for my next trick, I'll, I'll do something more elaborate. Community to me can be broken down into two things. Communication and action. Communication gives context to action. Action gives credibility, or lack thereof, to communication. And uh, combining these two, whether separate or not, you can combine these two or use them separately to send messages. 
And that's the, that's the, the, the crux of, of what I would like to, to speak about. You can send these messages in various ways. But often, you have to ask yourself, what does the message get across? And if you take a look at the, the world around us, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it does. Sometimes the wrong message get, gets across. So I thought for my, for my talk, I'd, I'd look at just some basic principles, just revise some basic principles that we all already know, but might have forgotten about when we consider um, our communication and our interaction in communities with one another. So the first thing, yeah, so when I, when I, asked, when I was asked to kind of like do this talk and get my topic, I, um, I decided on, on, on exactly this topic, and uh, as, a, as, a, as an excellent student, I decided to sit down and just copy everyone else's homework, and then pass it off as my own. So what I've basically done is I've looked at other TED Talks, um, other great TED Talks that people have, have, have given, and I've basically just integrated and pa- changed it a little bit, and I'm passing it off as my own. So the, the first person I, I unashamedly stole and borrowed from is, uh, is a, a guy called Simon Sinek. Um, Leona Dashner, our very own Leona Dashner, actually summarized him quite excellently in talking on the, the, the why and the how and the what of what we do. So I've changed it slightly to ask the first question, which is the first principle I'd like to get to. So when we're communicating or sending a message, we need to ask ourselves, what do you really want to communicate? What do I really want to communicate? And why? Often, these, these two cannot be separated. If you change the what, you change the why. If you change the why, you change the what. And then there's also, I highlighted that really, because often we say stuff, but we don't think about what is it we're really trying to say. I mean, the, my favorite analogy or example for this is uh, the, the, a, a relationship, a, a marriage or a, a, um, uh, a guy-girl relationship, you know, when, when either one gets home after a long day, how are you, honey? How's your day? I'm fine. What is that saying? It's saying, someone is saying, I am fine. But what is it communicating? Now, that also depends on who's saying it. Stereotypically, that's not always the case, but if the male comes home and he's like, or the husband comes home and he's like, oh, I'm fine. It, it's probably saying, I'm fine, I'm not fine, and I don't want to talk about it. Don't ask me about it. But what happens when she comes home? Stereotypically, and I've seen this, I'm fine, says, I am not fine. I am not telling you what's wrong. You need to find out now. I don't know if there are any of the husbands that can agree with me on this. But. <laughs> so that is, that, is one of the, one of the, that is the fundamental principle. And to me, these are, kind of the, these are, are, are not necessarily separated. You cannot really separate them. But these are, can be thought of as separate in the sense that sometimes you need to look at, you need to start with what it is I, want, I really want to say. And then why? Because if you change the one, you will change the other. These, this what and the why can be used to communicate stuff like dissatisfaction, humor, sympathy, empathy. 
And you can immediately see that these two are almost like not separable concepts. That is why you need to consider both of them. If you really want to communicate sympathy and empathy, why do you want to communicate this? It's usually obvious. But then later we will get to sort of slightly discussing on, on, on the who you're communicating to. On communication and the, the relationship sort of analogy sums it up quite well to me is this Moravian rule. The Moravian and Ferris, um, these are some, some social scientists that uh, were doing some research in, in uh, they published a paper in about 1967. And it's called the, the 738-55 rule. It's uh, not a very innovative name, but um, it, 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 uh, it brings the point across in the sense that when they, when they studied this, they studied people um, uh, giving presentations and they studied relation, relational um, verbal and nonverbal communication. And what you see there is that roughly they found that whatever was communicated, the message that was sent, 7% of this message was sent via words. What was said? 38% of the message comprised of the tone of voice. So, the I'm fine. 55% body language. The point I'm trying to make here is that often the messages we send is a lot more than just what we say. And we all know this, but we don't always keep this in mind when we communicate. Now, I, I actually mailed these guys, and I thought, like, well, this is written in 1967, and uh, a lot of this was probably sent around communication, um, verbal communication, presentations, stuff like that. But I, I, I told them, listen, we probably need to re rerun these numbers because we live in a digital world now. The 1967, they didn't have Twitter, Facebook, uh, WhatsApps. They, you know, they did telegrams, I guess. Well, it was a bit later than telegrams, but they, they, had, they basically had phone conversations. So we actually reran the numbers, and uh, um, I, uh, they, they sent me back some new results. And I decided to, to put in a nice, um, nice visualization to sort of uh, summarize the way we communicate today. You'll see that 98% uh, of communication these days happens via technology and social media. It, it took me quite long to, to really get the data structured right. Also, 98% is not really accurate. I, I kind of just... But the point I'm trying to get across is that messages, the way we communicate, the way we send messages today are, are quite literally changing. And that is why it's even more important to understand the why and the what, and, and also the reverse. The what do we really want to say and why? Anything on, on social media taken, taken out of context maybe nowadays, if you think about the, um, the, the, the real estate penny sparrow um, incident, um, some, some rather harsh comments being said uh, on, on social media and a lot of people getting fired for saying something that they probably did not really want to communicate or that they probably did want to but they did not consider the why or the what they were communicating. And that's, that's, quite, uh, that's quite important. Now for me, I, I like, um, I, I use social media a lot. I'm, I'm quite the millennial in that sense. Uh, and I like to communicate messages of, of humor. I like to elicit some laughter and, and stuff like that. And I, I have my own opinions that I, that I put on, 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 on Facebook. 
uh, my, you know, I, I give a lot of advice on timing. Also, I, I left kind of the likes there as well, just to show that I'm, that I'm kind of famous on the internet. You know, um, my mom will probably be watching this later, and I just want to show her that I'm actually doing with something with my life down here in Cape Town. I'm, I'm famous on the internet. I also have uh, some thoughts on, on fitness and on diets. I, uh, I also like to, like to talk about sort of philosophical things. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really wrong on social media, so that's basically what I'm trying to say. I used to think that I was wrong, but I was mistaken. Now, I, some of my own advice I also have to follow is that, you know, egotist is someone who's usually me deep. So at this point, I probably need to go away from, you know, walk off my, my, my own statuses that I'm, that I'm throwing up on the board. But before I, I move on, there is one more I, I'd like to show you. When I wrote this, I thought this was really funny, taken in context of, you have, you have siblings, and uh, if you're married, chances are you have a mother-in-law, and sometimes you, it, it gets a little bit frustrating, you know, if you have fights and all of that, and uh, when, I, I, when I read this, I thought this, was, this would be really funny in, in keeping that in mind, you know, you never know how much someone is worth until you try to sell them. And, uh, I, you know, a lot of people found that, found that quite funny, but there was one person, uh, a friend of mine, uh, who moves in a similar community to ours, that, that, that got a different message. And he basically got on and said, Louis, I, I love your witty, uh, your witty Facebook posts, but this one is rather dodge. I think that with a worldwide campaign against uh, human trafficking and when you consider human, uh, the value of human life, this is really insensitive. This is also not in line necessarily with what the Bible says about the value of life and son and daughtership in Christ. And I sat there and I'm like, yo, that escalated quite quickly. And uh, like every other, every other um, millennial, I get on Facebook and I'm like, on my keyboard. And I, and I sat down and I, and, I look, and I wanted to figure out like, okay, well, what, what is he really saying? And what did I really say? And after thinking about it for a while, you know, I thought like maybe, yes, maybe this was a little bit insensitive. And uh, subsequently, I have not taken down this post simply to remind myself that the next principle that I'm trying to get to, so I did say, fair enough, you yeah? know, that's, that's, that's fair enough. I cannot argue with that. Thank you for, 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 you know, letting me know what you think. Because that really brought me to my next, the next lesson I learned is that context quite often is everything. The context out of which you send your message and the context within you receive a message quite often dictates how you react and what, you, what the message and how you see this message that is being received. So we've, we have the what do you really want to communicate and why. And now you have to think about when I'm, when I'm communicating, what is the context I'm communicating out of? One of, another one of the TED Talkers I, I, I spoke to, and I have to read his name because it's a, he's an Italian-Norwegian. Um, where did I write his name down? Pellegrino Riccardi. Now, he, he's a businessman who, who runs a business helping businesses work across borders. And uh, he defines culture, and he's, he's, you know, I mean, he's an expert at sending these types of messages because he works with... Um, 
you know, multinational companies who need to be able to, to, to work in different types of cultures. And his culture, and he defines culture as what is accepted and what is familiar. And I think that's very closely correlated with context. Our context is what we either accept or don't accept and what is familiar to us. And that automatically means that your assumptions are not the same as my assumptions and that my assumptions are not the same as yours. Which means sometimes we have to really think about what we really want to say, why we want to say it, and what the context is. What, is your, what are your possible assumptions and what are mine? Now, it's impossible to get it right all the time. People change, situations change, emotions change. Uh, nowadays, gender changes. So it's a bit of a... Uh, it's, it really is important to consider how and why and then what is the context Nothing communicates context is everything like this image to me. Now, the story behind this image, I think most of you probably have seen this before, went viral a couple of years ago in 2015, um, sort of at the, at, the, at the height, or not at the height, but quite when, when the Syrian conflict was quite intense. A Turkish photographer, uh, I'm not going to try and read his name, I'm terrible at these pronunciations, he, uh, he was in, the, uh, in, a in a Syrian refugee camp in, uh, in, in the north of, of, of Syria on, on the border. And uh, he saw some kids playing. And uh, he had a telescopic lens on his, on his camera and he, wanted to, and he wanted to take a picture. And this four-year-old Syrian girl immediately put her hands up in the air. Which in, in that time is just to show I am unarmed. What is the message being sent? What is the context? This photographer simply wanted to get an image of the camp and of, of, of circumstances. This message was being interpreted as, you are going to shoot me. We have to consider context. Now, some messages don't require context. Messages of hate don't, I don't think, require context. It's really... I mean, and Kenny um, really mentioned uh, you know, it well. People, the, some of the labor is just disappearing. You're not, we're, 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 worth, we're worth more than you are. You have to do the poo and the dirty work because you're less educated. That does not need context. On the positive side, I also believe that truth does not need context. Real truth can be communicated without context and... Uh, can he, you know, um, illustrate that Jesus, Jesus knew how to, how, to, how to communicate compassion. He communicated a lot of truth. And I don't think that needs context. Everything else in between, though, I think is very important to consider the context of what we're communicating in. Lastly, having considered all, all the others, the third principle or the question I'd like to ask is, who is this message about? Celeste Headley, she's a radio presenter, and she also great, did a great, does a great TED talk on 10 things to have a better conversation. And uh, one of the things that stuck with me is, she's, and she interviews politicians she likes, politicians she doesn't like, across the board. And uh, one, of, one of the things that she said is, number one is, it's not about you. A, conver a great conversation is not about you. Now, I thought about this, and I think in terms of, and in, 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 when considering that we're sending, sending and receiving messages all the time, 
I, I thought, it, I thought to, to sort of add a bit to that and say, it's not about you. It's even less about me. But it is about all of us. It is about us. There is a message that is sent and there is a message that is received. So it's important to think, and, and also it's, yeah, it is important to think about who this message is about when you're communicating because sometimes you need to communicate, I need help. Sometimes you need to communicate that I have something to give. Sometimes you need to communicate that you need help. You, need, you have something to give. That's why we have community, communication, and action. So this is most likely implicit when you're, when you're in, in your communication with, with people. Sometimes you need to send the message that you're listening. Sometimes sending a message is not, trying, not a verbal communication at all. Like Kenny um, said, like, we're here to listen. We're here to, to, um, to, to see you know, the Afrikaans rapper and give him his, you know, hear, his, hear his input. And that's, that's basically what, 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 I, what I think of when I, when, I, when I consider the messages I want to send. So just to review or recap, if these are the things that you remember today and nothing else, what do we really want to communicate and why? Second of all, cons- consider the context in which you're sending messages. Lastly, it is important to just have that check. A lot of the time it's, impl- it's implicit, but just to think about who is this message really about. And I think that considering these would, would help to, con- to reduce a lot of the noise, the empty noise that we produce nowadays with so many messages that are being sent. These three, in my belief, then gets to something that, I'm, that, I, that we don't have time to cover, but how is this message to be communicated? I think there, are, there is enough material out there to, to, you know, giving tips on, you know, this is what you should be considering or not, and the hows and the whys and the do's and the don'ts. But I do believe that these three will, will in the end, dictate how we communicate. A, theo- a famous theologian, one of the top theologians of, of the Christian church, in a letter he wrote to the, um, a community just like ours in, in the city of, uh, of Colossus, said, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, the who. Redeeming the time, let your speech be always with grace, the how. Seasoned with salt, that you may know how or what you ought to answer each one. And that is what I'd like to leave you with. Thank you.